Welcome back to another episode of Ready Comics Roll. If you enjoy what you're listening to, be sure to like, share, and subscribe. Hey, do you know who I am? I'm Anthony. That's who the hell I am. Now just let me handle it. I hear the cries of the planet, as if to say I hurt, I suffer. When it's time for the planet to die, you'll understand that you know absolutely nothing. I'm Mike. Embrace your dreams and protect your honor. As soldier, I'm John. You know what? Anthony, you've had your time with the wrestling shit. And Mike, you had a freaking episode dedicated to how you're wrong. But this cast, this cast is fucking mine. This is Final Fantasy VII. The one thing that I, every single cast I happen to drop, because people know that out there I have some kind of sick fucking obsession with this game. And this is the time for me to speak my mind. <laughs> this is your time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is the formative game for John. Yeah, listen, this is a, this is the game that I haven't been able to move past since 1997. Yeah. <laughs> Realistically, in in every single possible way, whether it was you know Crisis Core on the PSP, dating going to um, you know Dirge of Cerberus, I I've seen Advent Children. I never got to play freaking Before Crisis on the phone since that was a Japanese only game and I never got the port. Um, but, and of course, the original Final Fantasy VII all the way back on PlayStation. And actually, I started out as a person who played with a friend of mine and only got to watch so much. And then because of those events, I was like, I need to play this freaking game. So I got into it and then I loved it. And it's been my favorite game for so long. Um, in those regards, it's actually exactly the same way, because it was me, I, I watched my cousin David play it before I ever touched a controller involving it, and then when I started playing it, I immediately was hooked, I played that game to death, Yes, and then it became a like semi-annual obsession kind of thing, where I would go back and I'd restart and I'd play again. I That game is the only game that I have bought probably as many times as I have bought Skyrim. <laughs> you know what? This is where I have to agree with Mike, because um, if there's any game that I've had to, let's say, buy as a digital copy, bought as the original, the original hard copy, actually probably about twice, none that, this is the only game that I've bought multiple renditions of it throughout the skate. Whether it was on PlayStation 3, then PlayStation 4, the original copy, a duplicate original copy. Uh, I've had this game on multiple different systems and at multiple times just because of the deterioration of it. I, I was pissed because when I when I first got the game, it was before the Greatest Hits collection had come out. So I actually had the old, the old art book from the, the right. front end of the game case that, like, apparently was, like, super freaking rare. And it was one of those things, like... After a while, it became a collector's item, and after that, I could never find the damn thing again. And I lost the disc three at that point, and then had to buy a new copy of it and got the Greatest Hits edition. And then lost a disc out of that one, and then didn't think to myself to just combine the, the two sets of discs. So I ended up going out and buying a third copy at some point. There, um, there's You buy it all or nothing. Well, actually, <laughs> I, I think what ended up happening is the... The the first the the first one ended up going to like I gave the three missing like the three discs that I had remaining from the one disc that was missing I gave the other three discs to my cousin David because he ended up losing the same disc that I lost or he ended up losing one of the other two discs so I right. gave him that that package and then I ended up getting it again and again and again and then I bought it on digital on the PS 
three. three, and then again on the PS4. Yeah. <laughs> Note to self, never let Mike borrow any games. <laughs> Um, Just nothing with multiple discs. Well, you know what? Uh, okay. and it had, and it had, most of the time, it had nothing to do with the fact that, like, I would, like, lose one disc at a time. It was the fact that somebody else would open up, like, the thing and not realize that it was four discs set, and one of the discs would fly out somewhere, and then I'd never find it again. Three. Yeah, you'd always have to I mean, be... Three, yeah. three discs. We know, we, we know what he meant. He, has, he always has to be wrong. I have to correct it. Is he one has, to be, he has to be wrong. At least one point there is his wrong. <laughs> well, in the original Japanese version, it was four discs. Yeah. Well, that's the original Japanese version. If you want to be fancy with it, that's fine. Uh, but I'm never going to say, I guess uh, there's never going to be a time where I'm not going to take the opportunity to remind people how poor I am. So for me, the first time playing Final Fantasy VII, which is probably one of my favorite JRPGs, of, or even just RPGs of all time, is on the PlayStation, well, of course on the PlayStation, but I actually got it right before it was the greatest hits as well. But the way it worked out is I actually got the PlayStation a lot later. Always for me and my family growing up from my brother and I, we always got systems way after the fact. So that was just actually one of the first PlayStation games I even ended up getting. And the only reason why we were able to get this is because at the time, I believe it was actually on sale before it went to greatest hits. So, you know, it was it was, it was destiny for me to well, play Final well, Fantasy VII. To, to tell you the truth, I, I, to kind of go with you on the side of the fact that, you know, I didn't come from a place where I could afford a lot of different stuff here and there. Uh, the first time I ever actually had my first hard disc of the Final Fantasy game, which wasn't the best, you know, the the greatest hits. greatest hit combination. Well, it was, it to was, be fair, the greatest hits was literally the only thing the the U.S. saw after about the first four months of the game actually being out. Right. Well, <laughs> I remember I remember a friend of mine who lived like across the street. He got it when the game came out, mm-hmm. and then when when that happened, he had a PlayStation. I didn't have a PlayStation at that point in time. Um, and then we had, like, I had watched him play it over at his house for a long period of time. And I was, like, going through and uh, I was helping him problem solve some of the stuff. But he was a little bit older than me. So it kind of probably was more of, like, a, okay, well, you know, let's let's let the little kid hang out and kind of learn what's going on with games at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it was 97 so it was kind of like, okay, this is yeah. what's going on. But actually, I was gifted that game. He yeah. saw how much I liked that game. And when after he was done, he's just like, John, you can have it. Like, this is your game now. Boom. So that's where it started, was a, uh, was that gi- game gifted to me for, for that series. That's awesome. Yeah, because when I got it, my dad purchased it for me from Toys R Us. Let's go ahead and take a moment in memoriam for Toys R Us. From 1957 to 2018. Rest <laughs> in peace. But uh, that's, un- that's it's unfortunate they're actually out of business on a slight, slight tangent. Because I remember there's a few games actually purchased from there. But again, first purchase period for as far as the game is concerned from Toys R Us... And his first purchase for PlayStation was Final Fantasy VII. So again, like I said, that for me was just fate. And I know there's other people out there that also that feel like there's different ones that are their favorite. You have a lot of the purists that feel like you know three and uh, some of the other ones. Six was uh, out of everything Six. that I've ever talked about with people. If okay, this is what it normally falls into, and everyone has their own thing. Uh, seven is the only correct answer, but. <laughs> I, I don't fault a lot of people for liking 6. 6 was an amazing game, how it was produced and how it came together and the fact that it was the last lineup kind of in the Nintendo series of events and stuff like that. And then 7 was 
really the reason why for me was that pinnacle and it introduced the huge worlds of Final Fantasy to me and to a lot of other people. Um, and then there are some people who are really just absolutely wrong and they like eight. Yeah, I was gonna. Get <laughs> you stole. You stole my damn joke. I hate you. Like six, I have respect I was getting for. There. Seven is amazing and is the true answer. And the people who like eight I, are no. just wrong. Are just no. wrong but because the only way the game makes sense is if he died when he tried to kill the the queen. The queen with the ice the rest, his chest. Yeah, and then the rest of the game is just a fever secrets. dream. Yeah. yeah, that's the they, only time it they makes were any preemptively sense. doing a ghost dream before it was ten. Just yeah. saying. Yeah. <laughs> um. There are also people out there that like 13, which still uh, scares no, me. No, let's not even talk about that. I, I, um, yeah, l- listen, this is... Nine, this is, nine is understandable. Nine, I'm, I'm not going to be as hard up on nine. nine I didn't nine's like very, nine. Nine's very much a throwback game. Some people had an issue with the art style. That was I, that was my thing. I didn't like the art style, but you know what? The, 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 the beautiful ability for its cinematics, the fact that, yes, it had a lot of throwbacks to a lot of stuff. You know, it had the, the Dragon Knight. I mean, well, you, you go... actually had, you, one, you actually had classes again. Like, right. That was one of the things that, like, Final Fantasy VII, to me, it broke conventions when it really just allowed everybody to do everything. It, it broke that conventionalness to everyone because it threw that out the window. Yeah, which is, I would have to say the material system is my absolute favorite system with the job system coming in a close second for that very reason. You can kind of build your own characters based off of the material the, the that you have. And this is something... As long as in respect to their their base stats. Because yeah. their base stats did technically align them to a position. To a point. To or, a, to or, a point. To a point. Or you can be a jackass were... like I am and just say, screw it, throw those numbers out the window and still be able to beat the game. But it's, oh, it's, it's yeah, not yeah, a hard... It's... This is the thing. Final Fantasy VII was not a hard game. We're not, we're not, we're not was... going to applaud you for not for beating a not difficult game with it... not paying attention to numbers. I was going to say, <laughs> it, realistically, looking back at it, and I, I think a lot of people would agree, that... Final Fantasy VII had its complexities, yes, but at the same time, though, it had a lot of things that made things simplistic. And it moved on, for, and it really carried on this simplicity to things to where you didn't need to grind to the fullest potential. You could inter, uh, put any kind of party member in there, so you didn't need a specific class. But the, the that's the thing, though. You The Final. reason why that was a thing was because you were meant to be drawn to the story, the story and, the and the characters. Absolutely. You make your connections with the characters, you build your team that way, and then you're stuck with Cloud. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> through, yeah, through, through a good 80 of the game you can't you can't ditch your main character which is another trope that kind of got made by final fantasy 7 and it's one of the reasons why i regret some of the things that final fantasy 7 did i still love the game it is still by far one of my top three it's 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 <laughs> not without its issues but at the same time though what for game is me, perfect yeah what game is perfect there, there's not a perfect game but Final Fantasy VII is close to it. Final Fantasy VII, <laughs> for me, is is really close to my personal look at perfection. I like a turn-based system, but the, the beautiful thing about Final Fantasy VII to me is it had the most compelling story, it had the most in-depth and drawn-out characters. Now, of course, because it was also a huge fan favorite, it had the opportunity because... You you really got into them writing uh, novels, okay? Yeah. It had multiple different 
um, spectrums of games. They kind of went into every little thing to really, and, and yes, it was, uh, you know, Square monopolizing and really oh, trying man. to get they out there. They were milking that cash They cow, were baby. milking it to... Spin off, spin off, spin off, books, books, books. But the thing is, though, at the same time, though, in, in some regards, that masterful art piece, it, like, spawned off the fact that you could really find out more and fall in love with these characters. Yeah, okay. I mean, to its credit, like, I, I made the joke about them milking a cash cow, but at least it's they true. weren't, like... It is, but... Unlike a lot of other publishers, especially these days, anytime you got that spin-off game, anytime you got those novels, it didn't it wasn't like a cheap attempt to get money. It actually at least added to the established lore. Yes. You got absolutely. something more out of it. Well, and fortunately for the way that Final Fantasy did things, they at least kind of paid attention to where their own stories were coming from. I mean, I have to say this, Dirge for of the most Cer- part. Dirge of Cerberus was probably the lowest point in the Final Fantasy VII spin-off universe. And I love Vincent. He was a horrible character in the actual Final Fantasy VII game. I still want to play breaks that. were completely useless. Hmm? I still want to play that, by the way. Dirge Cerberus? I've, I've not played any of the spin-offs. I've not read any of the additional novels. My only experience with Final Fantasy VII is the countless times that I've displayed Final Fantasy VII okay. itself. In my personal ranking, which, again, I didn't get to play uh, Before Crisis, which, uh, for those who don't know is a Turk story, okay? It really takes place around the Turks. And I'm not talking about just Reno, Rude, Elena, and um, Sang. No, the full organization. The full organization before a lot of the members actually were gone. Um, It introduced characters, an optional character in that game, named Legend, who was supposed to be... He got that status and that code name because he was that amazing. But you, you meet Elena... A minor character in Final Fantasy VII had a sister, had an older sister. She was a Turk, too. You don't know about these things until you get into those types of games. Um, and I don't mean to go on about, you know, uh, Before Crisis, because I didn't get to play it. It was a mobile phone game, so just imagine them trying to map that over. Like, it, r- it would be really hard. I think it was maybe a little bit ahead of its time, because this is before mobile games really caught on. It was played on I a have Final phone. Fantasy VI on my phone. That's a port. That's, but a, I mean, that's a port, and the thing is, though, this was on a flip phone. Like, this, yeah. this was one of those things. Imagine if they were to go ahead and do that now. I think right. they probably they probably could have accomplished more with it in regards to what they were trying to do, as well as the actual audience that would have hey, received it. At least it wasn't primarily made for the Nokia Engage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but that game, that game expanded on a story in which it, it, it actually had in-depth characters about, you know, Zack. It had more about Cassini. It had more about what was going on, even with Cloud, um, that you lightly got to see in Crisis Core before everything else went on. So you could kind of see how these stories were converging before, ultimately, the tale of Final Fantasy VII itself. Um, when you get to... which. I kind of want to save it for last because honestly, it was my favorite one, which is um, before our Crisis Core. Um, it's and that's blatantly because Zach is the best character in the game. I was actually going to go if joke, you're jokingly a, ask if you like, are a Cloud fan. Realistically, you don't like Cloud. You like Zach, okay? Because everything that is Final Fantasy VII for Zach was modeled off the inspiration, or everything that was. Uh, Cloud. For Cloud was modeled off the inspiration of Zack. Well, yeah, that's the Blake because, story. Because we we get that in the actual game. Because this whole you actually get to play through that flashback 
uh, you get to find out that basically his entire personality, more or less, is actually Zach's. He's kind of stole that right. as kind of a coping mechanism for In parts. everything that happened. He didn't get everything because Zach is actually a little bit more cocky and kind of... A lot less uh, mopey and emo. He's more charismatic. Yeah. Um, he has his points where he's kind of a goob, but, you know, that's <laughs> that's a part of his, his charm, too. But Final Fantasy VII, we all know, we all know how that story works out and everything like that in, in its masterpiece that it is. And then you have something like Dirge of Cerberus, which Dirge of Cerberus, in part, I don't find it a bad game. It yeah, had, I wasn't it saying it was had, a bad game. I, I actually, I actually liked it. I, it, I played through it actually twice, I think. I, my only thing is though, I, I really don't think that it was well received. Um, and, you had a character like Vincent who was very well received. Everyone really wanted to know more it's about Vincent. Because everybody Vincent. likes vampires. That yeah, is, it, was, it was totally a 90s thing. It, 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 very correct. But the thing is, though, he also had um, a lot of deep seated storyline within Final Fantasy VII itself. You had the whole, like, his lost love thing. His lost, the fact that technically he was not a, not technically because he wasn't, uh, Lucrezia's other lover before he became what he is but you know and he was a turk he's yes he was yeah. a turk before that he protected his love interests and then he gets you know kind of exed off turned into chaos and but those are the things his actual uh storyline based in what the core of sephiroth is okay those original emerging members stuff that took place before what you see in that storyline for them only giving a glimpse at this character he was very well received and everyone really wanted to know what he was how he worked and what made him to that point and to actually have that kind of third person shooter type game is actually an interesting direction that they decide to get i mean it makes sense for the character but it's not something I don't think anybody really expected after having... Been. I heard the developers, and I, 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 that's the one thing. When it comes down to the mechanics of the gameplay or the background design, um, I know the, the name Nomura only because he is synonymous with Final Fantasy and Final Fantasy VII specifically. But him, that designer, wanted to go in the direction of having a third-person style shooter game. He wanted to go in a shooter style for Final Fantasy in one way, shape, or form, he just figured that Vincent was actually the most proper character to do it because yeah. he had a rifle. Yep. So that's what it came down to. The, the, the three chambers shot yeah. of devastation. <laughs> yes, the <laughs> Cerberus itself. Or, uh, but it, the best game, in my opinion, not because the rail system sucked, the rail system was such a mistake, but Crisis Core gave you the perfect amount of of backstory and action for a Final Fantasy storyline to bring you into what it was. And it being out on the PSP, I I really enjoyed it. That's the only reason why I never played it, is because I, I never got into the PlayStation handheld. Just you never. missed the mark on that one. I did. Actually, the, the PSP, to me, had a lot of great potential. I just don't think that... It, some of the wave of games that they were trying to do for it, I guess, just missed the mark. That's because at the time, Nintendo had a stranglehold on a lot of the third-party games and yeah. just other things going on with it, which is why, you know, the, the DS, 3DS, and all that stuff ended up ultimately reigning supreme. Well, My little brother actually had the PSP. He got it from Pawn Shop. Recurring theme. It's yeah. also a nice little punchline joke. Yeah. Uh, but we, I think, it had to get rid of it, or I should say it was, it was Pawn Repairs, 
almost not so long after he got it. I didn't get a chance. That's one of the games I wanted to pick up on. The only game that I ended up playing is your favorite, which is uh, Monster Hunter oh. on the PSP. But you know, I agree. PSP <laughs> graphics wise was like mind blowing almost, and that's really where it suffered. I agree with you, Mike, on the fact that it really where I think it failed is it really just wasn't getting as many titles that really well, let it shine. And the, the issue so much wasn't that Nintendo had the stranglehold, it was the fact that nobody wanted to code to those little tiny flip disc UNDs. things. Yeah, the UNDs. Yeah. No, nobody wanted to code to those, and that was that was a long-running like joke, is that you know you had all the, these publishers and stuff, and they're like, well, we could put out a game and, and put it on PC on a disc, or we could put it on PlayStation and put it on a disc. Or we could put it on Xbox and put it on a disc. Hey, the UMD... Or we could try to make it handheld and have to put it on this tiny little freaking cartridge that doesn't make any goddamn sense. Whoa, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. So, this, technically. The, the, the UMD was a micro disc. Yeah. I mean, it just was one of those things. Um, that's part of its name. Yeah. But the, that's the other thing. The PSP, if you truly look at the PSP, and I don't mean to get off sidetrack off from Final Fantasy VII, but if you actually look at PSP, the ability of which it could do, you could... You could have a game on a UMD, and then guess what? Put in a micro SD and have a library off that, especially if you cracked your PSP. Yep. Okay? That was another well, That was the thing. I, I was able to play movies, download movies, play it off of there, do music, play a game all in this one device before the DS and stuff like that was really popular, and it still doesn't do it. I don't see many people who crack a DS to have that same functionality. I, I've known a few people who have done it just... That's just, what I'm saying. Not, for, not, it's yeah. not like a wide thing. But PSP, yeah. people cracked those things <laughs> to gain the full accessibility of what that system could do. Yeah, the, the, you had the ability to run God knows how many emulators, including well, a the PlayStation other, emulator. The, yes. The, the, the so you're playing Final like Fantasy VII on your PSP. Exactly. <laughs> the, P, the PSP, though, is much easier to break because of the fact that it, it the background shell was, uh, a, I think it was a Unix shell. It was. It was, it was it a Unix was shell. really easy to crack. Yeah, it was um, a Unix Linux shell, or, you know yeah. what I mean? Sidetracking is back to Final Fantasy VII, though. It was one of those things, like, I, I wish I had gotten to play Crisis Core. I really did. Um, Phenomenal. I, I think I played the first 15 minutes of it at some point. And that wasn't even on a PSP. It was like they, they did like a, a weird thing on, I think it was back for PS3. They did the remote play like uh, trial thing. And I think I played like the first 15 minutes of it or something like that. Um, but that was one of those things like I'm not a big fan of like rail shooters. So I wasn't super fond of it. Um the storyline, I didn't know anything about until me and you had a long conversation about it at some point. But Final Fantasy VII did a lot of a lot of things right in the, as far as story goes because you got this starting off with Shinra, and then Sephiroth, and then finding out that Sephiroth isn't really the, the like the villain that you think he is initially. Like you, 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 you no, he's worse. As I say, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna be like, wait a minute. Uh, yes, and, yes and no. It, to be honest, it's not like. And this is the thing. This is the whole like what you get from from Nibelheim. He's not really. It's a tragic story of madness. Yeah, it's not really his doing that. He's the bad guy. It's it is. It's still, so, I mean, well, he's a victim. He's a victim of circumstance. Yes, I will not take that away. But upon finding out all the nonsense that he was involved in, anybody else could have taken any other way. Like, let's look at Cloud. Cloud ends up finding out that he's basically nothing more than a goddamn puppet. 
and a lot of his memories aren't even his own. Instead of becoming a murderous psychopath, he still takes up the mantle of hero to kick Sethroth's ass. Versus Sethroth finds all this crap out, and he's just like, oh, I'm gonna be evil now. I'm gonna go ahead and destroy everything. Well, Sephiroth essentially just had some, like, crazy rage monster trapped in his brain, and it had... <laughs> well, and, and that that is actually still debated even today, which is, and I know me, Mike, and actually Eric have had uh, long conversations about this before, about who who is truly in control. Is it Genova or is it Sephiroth? Because of how the functionality between... It was Hojo. Sur- the whole time it was Hojo. Well, technically it was Hojo the entire time. Hojo's thus, Bizarre Adventures. Th- that's the reason why Hojo actually plays a major role in Dirge of Cerberus as well. And if you haven't played Dirge of Cerberus and that's a spoiler, guess what? I think it was out like 10 years ago, so I'm good on my my <laughs> Statue of Limitations. Yep. Uh, but uh-huh. um, no, it, it, it's been a heated debate because of... How you believe Sephiroth utilizes the parts of Genova, but at the same time, though, the the fact that deep down within his very core, all these cells of Genova still call out to each other. So who who is manipulating whom? You know what I mean? And that was a big part of the story. So if you look at it as Sephiroth was created to be a monster, okay... He went into this madness because of how he is confused about his circumstances, but then falls victim to, is it an urge of the cells, or is it his own mind in his decision to do what he's going to do? I don't know, I still am on the side of it is his own decision, because he was fine up until that point. It's upon finding out all that information that something in him kind of snaps. Well, absolutely. If you if you if you actually look more into um, when you play Crisis Core, you see more of that Severoth is basically in complete control of all of his actions up until the fact that he finds this information. He found out that everything he knew was wrong, and then his life became a weird Al or weird Al song, and he just went mad. But yeah. you, you you figure out everything you say is wrong. You don't go around killing people. That's because crazy. I'm a nihilist and I just don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we should be thankful for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's like, uh, you're not. But, totally but there's stark, something suppressing therefore. my murderous rage. It's the fact that I just don't care. Oh God, <laughs> Mike's on a watch list now. <laughs> <laughs> That's if I wasn't really already, I am now. Yeah, um, pretty much. But talking talking about Final Fantasy you you have to you kind of have to bring it to the one thing that really is what made Final Fantasy 7 so memorable the characters no oh, i mean, absolutely and i mean yes memorable villain wise Sephiroth wins although the best version of Sephiroth wasn't in Final Fantasy 7 it was in Kingdom Hearts, and it was in the arena, and he was a pain in the ass. Oh he was God. a lot harder in Kingdom Hearts than he ever was in Final Fantasy VII. Uh, well, I mean, you look at the fact that Sephiroth was designed to <laughs> one be... One hit near death. Yeah. She completely drained you of all but one HP and all of your magic power, too. You're pretty much boned, unless yeah. you had the items available to go well, ahead and... It, it, or in, counter in time. In Kingdom Hearts, they really went off of the whole one-winged angel of Genova thing, you know, they, they push that to the final core, um, going off of, you know, Safer Sephiroth in, in Final Fantasy VII and such. Um, but yes, memorability, like, there's two villains that everyone remembers when it comes down to Final Fantasy VII, and that's Sephiroth, because of how cool he fucking looked, okay, and then, uh, Kefka. I was going to okay. say well, Kefka. Fan, you mean Final Fantasy. I'm, the, I'm no, I'm talking about Final Fantasy 7. I was like... No, no, no. He, no, no he, 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 he 7, meant, like, two, like... Memorable two, villains, period. Period. In Final Fantasy. 
from Final Fantasy VII Sephiroth, and then of course Kefka from Six. You thought okay. this is Kefka? Goddamn Kefka! Kef- Kefka was... You thought this was bad? Check this out. Yeah, Kefka was nothing more than a villain of just like hate, 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 hate. <laughs> he hate, drank hate, the hater hate, hate. He he loved hate so much. He did he did destruction because destruction. Sephiroth did destruction because he thought it was a cause for him in him fulfilling his mother's. Kind of well, he nature. got he got that whole like the world needs to be reborn thing stuck in his mind, right. and that's pretty much where he ended up. Wasn't at. it tied into the whole story with the ancients as well? Yeah, mm. he he was connecting the dots between what the ancients were, which were travelers, and he thought travelers of the stars, and Genova being a traveler from the stars. Now he didn't get the parts of certain notes that um <laughs> were hey Genova's actually a bad person that crash landed into the planet to try to you know eat the planet take over its inhabitants and that's dry when... out the planet and then leave to another one so he got that half he, he, <laughs> he got the good side of the story not like the true story where the ancients were the one that had to kind of stop I mean Nova. I, yeah, but I, I think even as that kind of goes on, he wanted to be the mix between what was Gaia and what was Genova because he knew that he could himself integrate into the life stream, into the planet, and then leave and conquer new planets. So, well, and and this is the other thing. Everybody, everybody goes off on Sephiroth for the whole mental. You're you're going off on a month for the whole mental breakdown, and then wanting to destroy everything, and then Cloud not doing that. Well, Cloud had people around him that kind of grounded him. That can help you, but ultimately, we still are our own people. We still make our own decisions. That's what was my point. Is he made that decision? It wasn't like Genova's uh, like you need to well, know. well, unless in truth the the, the, the fully the, like he wasn't under complete mind control. All the time. With that. No, no, no. I, I don't feel he was under complete mind control all the time. I believe that there was a large portion of him who was completely in control of his faculties and, and everything that it was. And to tell you the truth, if you look back again at Crisis Core, which was uh, an amazing, you know, I was going to say movie, but amazing game that really filled in those backstories. The people he was around, the people that he was friends with the most, uh, they introduced Angeal and Genesis. Okay. And in that story, Angeal was technically uh, the 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 Zack before Zack, except he was a Genova clone. And then Genesis as well. He was another you know Genova project that was going on. Angeal, freaking all these Genova projects, man. Well, that was the thing. I know that, you, that, had that reu- was, you had yes, reunion. That you was had the whole thing. but reunion. Okay, and I'm not even going to go into the differences between Again, all the it's projects. All Hojo's fault. Everything's Hojo's fault. Well, it, <laughs> Hojo created Sephiroth. He didn't create uh, Angeal or Genesis. That was over. That was Hollander. Okay. See, again, the amazing knowledge of how obsessed I am with this game. Um, but he saw he he saw Angeal. And okay, he was he was very much your cloud Zack creation. He was not obsessed with destruction. He believed he was a monster. Okay, he was about to turn and then made the decision that I, I, for the purposes and safety of everything, maybe I need to be destroyed. Okay, and that was his route. Genesis wanted to not die, and he said, "Screw everyone." Okay, and then you had Sephiroth who was just like, "Oh." So I'm kind of like them, but better. Kill the world! <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. That's that's what it came down to. So we already know how John feels about Sephiroth. <laughs> but this is what it comes down to. All right, but I, here's the thing. 
Alright, who's your favorite of the actual playable characters in Final Fantasy VII? Oh, I mean, Sid's definitely up there. Uh, all of his one-liners, his wisecracks, his mannerisms, for me, definitely puts him up there at the top. Picking um, literally the character that you get latest in the game. Hey, that doesn't matter, because he's still fun to play with. There's still lots of great moments with him. Uh, I mean, I, I really can't hate on that decision for Sid because of the fact that I... Oh, I'm a Sid fan, too. So well, I was gonna, I think, I think all Who's of Who's not are, a Sid fan? Who is... Exactly. Who is not a Sid fan? Uh, but, or at least Sid Hydewin. But uh, um, I would have to say, okay, if you asked me that question back when uh, Final Fantasy VII first came out... If it wasn't going to, you're not allowing me to do Zack because he's a he's a background character. He's not a playable character at all. I wasn't a fan of Cloud, but I was because default Zack. Um, I would have actually said either Barrett or Vincent. Barrett's definitely my second. Easy. Okay. And one just what? What's wrong with Barrett? What? Oh, no, let's see. Let's see here. You go no, ahead. No, I'm just I'm upset at both of you. Come on, Yuffie is obviously the second best character in the entire game. No, first off, Tits <laughs> McGee is the second best character in the entire game. Okay. No, I, okay. So, and this is this is my thing. Like my my no, my part, favorite female was the was Aerith. <laughs> um, when when it comes down to the, the the cast of this game, and this is this goes into the whole like again, there really wasn't like job descriptions for each of these characters no. but their ultimate weapons did make them unique yes. in in some regard. You talking about conformer? Conformer. Oh my god. <laughs> conformer was I, the most broken game or mo- most broken weapon in that game. Because the thing is is if you if you did what I did with that game, like I played that game to death. And then I created things for me to do after I had cr- played the game to death in the game. Such as going to the sunken airship and just farming, farming sources, sources so that I could max out everybody's stats. And that's how I found out how broken Sid truly is. Well, see, that's what I'm saying, though. Like, in the very beginning, I would have probably... Oh, I'm sorry, and I didn't mean Vincent in the beginning. I would have said Barrett or Sid in the very beginning. But then, uh, you know, Vincent being that optional character, getting him... And then as the the chronology kind of unfolds and you get to experience and find out more through novels and through different gameplay, he became one of my favorites just because of how they, they like they how focused a lot on him. They, they did, and but the, that's the thing though. They gave a lot of exposition to how his character is, which made me really like Vincent. And I forget there one of the one of the creators of the game like was solely responsible for a lot of what Vincent did. I don't remember the guy's name. Right. He he was he had his special character and that's essentially what they fo- like they focused a lot on because he liked that character so much. But but I was but they say, didn't give him a good limit break, so I couldn't I couldn't deal with him. Couldn't for deal with Vincent? Yeah. Oh come on, dude. Like I'm sorry, I, I understand that you can't have control over it, but the ability to shape into all these different beasts no, like, it was a cool limit break. It was break, a really it? cool limit break. Don't get me wrong on that. It was cool. It was just completely useless. That and then they <laughs> even expanded on chaos even more and the Gillian Beast even more in Dirge of Cerberus yes. by hey you want a, a a melee front turn into the Gillian Beast and kind of go all werewolf shreddy fuck on everybody and then ultimately guess what you need to make sure that everything was going towards chaos anyways because he would just fly around and then fuck up like Omega weapon okay with Cerberus like that's how it was in that game so but yeah the 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 things that really made people unique were the limit breaks 
And yeah. then their 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 ultimate weapons. Aside from that, and Cloud had literally the worst ultimate weapon because his ultimate weapon just attached his damage to his health pool. Yeah, so as so long lower... as he was at full health, he still dealt damage. Not quite. Oh, well, his ultimate weapon. Yes, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was hearing ultimate like limit break. No. I was merging the two. Yeah. <laughs> he was anticipating wrongness and was preparing. Yeah. yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but um. But uh, okay. It, to, to tell you the truth, yes, the, the, the three distinguishing factors for a Final Fantasy VII character. Limit breaks, ultimate weapons, and of course, their story. Personality, too. They're, that's what I'm saying. Their yeah, story, yeah, yeah. personality. Yeah. The, that's the thing. For me, I liked uh, a lot of Barrett's motivation. I One, I liked the fact that he was a natural tank. Um, I liked the fact that he was a gunner. Um, I like the fact that he kind of was that he was a freedom fighter. He was avalanche this, man. I, I mean, that, avalanche. There's avalanche there's a lot has of, a yes, very I know, here, deep, terrorist, no, terrorist thing. Well, I'm not even just. Oh, okay. Okay, Anthony, you know nothing about before crisis. Avalanche was a terrorist organization. Oh, they were <laughs> villains. Okay. <laughs> well, that's weird because again, only going from my experience with Final Fantasy VII. Avalanche was definitely something much different. I mean, sure, a lot of people can still it, make the the argument of terrorists. A lot of people have as a as a <coughs> joke. Bless you. They wanted to come off. Avalanche wanted to come off as a very good guy organization in the very beginning, still. But there was a lot of stuff that was stuff that was wrong in Avalanche, which actually made them a huge villain in the earlier games. When when when. Barrett takes over Avalanche and kind of reascends this organization to what it is and what it's known for in Final Fantasy VII. Yes, he's not necessarily... He's an eco-terrorist, but he's not a bad guy. Yeah, well, I mean, the only thing, and again, it's hard to argue this, the whole dropping down the... Uh well, actually, no, the dropping on the plate, it was, uh, well, that was Shinra. Shinra. Yeah, they, Shinra. They, they did that on purpose. They to, did that. The, 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 the still reactor. occupied Mako reactor. No, actually. No, it was cleared you, out. It was, it was cleared, cleared out. out. There was a lot of times the reason why they said that they chose that hour to do the mission was because there was no one around. Exactly. So, yeah. It, that, it minimized casualties. So, actually, no, I take that back. I can't think of an instance where they could honestly be labeled as terrorists well, the, in in Final Fantasy 7. In Final Fantasy 7. In That's Final what Fantasy 7, Final they're, they're, they're slightly, they're, they are better than what they used to be, because in, 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 the, in the previous games and in some of the books, in the novelizations, they were, they were an eco or an eco focused organization that cared nothing about collateral damage. Yeah. yeah. So if you're talking about the books, that's fine. That but that's okay. I'm going true. from my experience because remember, my experience with Final Fantasy VII is only playing the crap out of Final Fantasy VII, and, that, and that's why I'm trying to say. And that's like, why. Like, but that's why I love Barrett for that reason. Like, yeah. I, because he's a family man. He very much and, it, and family for him even extends beyond blood. Everybody yeah. who's a part of Avalanche, everybody who he's basically gotten to know has become part of his family. And he's basically tried to defend them to the death. He would do as much as he can for them. Even put his own life on the line for those that he cares about. Absolutely. There's a, there's a lot of respect for that. And I, that's why I'm saying I completely agree with you. It's one of, one, of, one of my favorite characters because of the fact that he was that guy who was just like... Although, if you look at his early character compared to what he is later, when he's in the beginning, he's just very vengeful. When he goes to later aspects, you understand his... His rage is guided in a ma- in a manner in which it is very for much his backstory. Yeah. Vengeance, but wh- when you finally kind of see this whole rollout of, um, you know, Barrett's character, you know that he he's he's a guy who really 
thinks and cares about his family and friends and stuff like and that. And it's also a matter of atonement, too. Yes. Well, that misunderstanding uh, between him and Dane and, you know, the other one-handed gun guy. <laughs> and also just the events that led to the destruction but of his town. That's what Thanks I'm, to Shinra. But one of the things that I'm talking about, it's the simple fact that you have a game in which, you know, you, you're, Anthony, you, you're a fan of Final Fantasy VII, okay? Yes. But... You still remember these stories because they stick with you because that's how good the game was, even without having played the game yeah, for years. There's very few games, uh, especially RPGs, that are like that for me, besides maybe like Dragon Age or even Nice Old Republic, where any, there's very few games that really even dwell that much on some of these side characters or even ones that aren't like the main, main characters that just put so much depth and thought and care into their creation. Right. Um, all of these characters... The game did really well at giving each character uh, their time to kind of shine and kind of get this background and grow at the same time of progressing through the storyline and kind of filling out what it is. Even Kate Sith, and Kate Sith was for the most part a Joe character. Pretty much, except for the fact that a lot of people didn't understand that he was a remote-controlled semi-sentient robot. Well, that's what I'm saying until you get to that point. Yeah. That's what I said. For the most part, he was a joke character until you realize that, yeah, that. Kate said two! Oh. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, how are you so alive? You sacrificed yourself to no. go ahead and get this. Version oh, 2.0. That, that was just a robot. <laughs> I have to control this stuff. Version 2.0. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that I Bless always... you, Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> but it always comes down to like when when you have full control over what you build as a party it still seems like you almost always want to keep cloud in the party even like well, when you can choose right. not to have so his efficiency with how much damage he can output and how much he can well, tank even as a character i guess maybe i'm in this small group of people that actually like cloud as a character because you're vanilla no i like cloud he, as a character not, he's not vanilla I like Cloud as a uh, as a character only because of the fact that he is Zack. Yes. Like once you realize <laughs> that, then I go. I no longer liked Cloud. I liked Zack, but he was my... he was pretty much the product of the nineties of, of the whole. This is back when anti heroes were very cool, and that's very much what he was. But at that point in time, though, at least he wasn't angsty. No, but he was. He was, no, 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 no. He, he wasn't. He wasn't angsty. No, no, no. He was he not was really. The, angsty. He was the loner, cool guy. He's just like you, you have to remember this for the money. For for a majority of the game, up until the point in which he gets into like the Mako pool, and then he realizes, uh, you know, I played a part in Aerith's death. What the hell is going on? Who the hell am I? He doesn't turn into that angsty character. And even then, like, so that was a major thing that people joke about. And even I kind of joked about it at the beginning. Is the fact a lot of people were like, oh, Cloud's just so emo. He's all this. We gotta understand. He, again, he realized that his entire life was pretty much a lie. He went through so much shit and realized that he was responsible for a lot of bad things that kind of happened. Almost anybody in his position, at least for a time would be down. They would be like, oh man, what the fuck? Yeah. So no. it's his, his attitude is his, very understandable. His, everybody in his hometown was murdered. Everybody. Yes. His mother, By somebody his he looked up to. Yeah. He wanted to be like Sephiroth. Just like everyone in Soldier except for Angel and Genesis. But everyone who <laughs> they went They would be there. farthest from him. Yeah. <laughs> but to be Everyone fair, who joined Soldier wanted to be Sephiroth. To be fair, my thing is this. Cloud's story through the whole thing is probably, aside from, and I, I hate to say this about Sid, because I love Sid, but besides Sid's, probably one of the weaker storylines. 
You think Clouds was one of the weaker storylines? Because, to be honest, it's a jumbled mess. It, it is probably the biggest jumbled mess as far as things go. Uh, mainly because, yes, a lot of it's amnesia. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> that's, that, is, that, that's, that is exactly why. Yeah. <laughs> um, He's a mess because he is, he was freaking toxified by Mako poisoning. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. He, he basically has had trauma. He has had a concussion, okay? But <laughs> he you... went through the ringer to get that much of a scrambled mess. He is the equivalent of Wolverine in that regard. Because Wolverine has been through so much and gotten fucked up. And his healing factor has saved him by saying, hey, we're going to take out these traumatic memories. Yeah. But, okay? And this comes down to it. You have... Tifa, who essentially goes through almost... Name her by her real name, Titties, Titties, Titties. <laughs> no, John. Um, you have, you, you have her... to be true. You have her who loses her, 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 loses her father in Nibelheim, loses all everybody that she knew. Yeah. And Even she her... goes on to be a bartender. <laughs> it's just, she's got a weird story. Well, no, she... Too. Okay, Tifa, Tifa didn't have the greatest of stories. Her her connection was Cloud. That is the only thing from her youth. And she's she also her... part of Avalanche. It wasn't like she was just well, a bartender. Her biggest thing was she wanted to get as far away from Nibelheim as possible. Yeah, she was running so away she from her to problems. Mid, she, so yeah. she moved to Midgar, and she just kind of got attached to uh, Barrett and Marlene and Avalanche. Not just that. The reason, One of the reasons why she went to Midgar is because she knew that Cloud, who was a childhood friend, had gone to Midgar to join or attempt to join Soldier. She didn't know anything. Remember, even in the flashback, she did not know that he came back to Nibelheim during the incident. Yeah. Well, not I, until like the very I end. I thought because and this is this this may be just bad memory, but I thought he left to go to Junon for training for Soldier and then went to Midgar afterwards. Yeah, everyone assumes that when you are going to join Soldier, you're heading to Midgar. Whether wherever you're stationed is where you're stationed. Realistically, you're That's going your to final Midgar destination. to go there because you're trying to join Soldier, and that was his dream, just like it was Zack's dream. Um, but yes, Tifa is the smallest one because she is utilized in that story as a link to uh, Zach, uh, Cloud's past, her city. The everyone dead, and the only other person, uh, Zangin, which was her, her, her teacher, teacher, is the only other connection. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's it. Her her story kind of is the most limited. Uh, everyone else truly has like a really big, flushed out story. Tifa's story is completely dependent on Cloud. Yes. Unfortunately. But, but you have like Red 13, who we have not mentioned yet, who... That lion dog. To I me, one of my favorite characters, again, like, he's just... He, there's a lot of things that just made me kind of stick with him a lot because yeah. one, he he's he's useful in battle. Yeah, he's even when he's first introduced and he has like the the worst weapon in the like the the worst weapon in the game at that point. Yeah, because, the, the hairpin. I forgot exactly which hairpin it was, but it was like something. He gets some better ones online, including well, ones that allow him to do the range that's attack. The that's the thing. You, he gets he gets when yeah, you but first then you get just put long range to him. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> done. Take care of it. <laughs> Over but, and um, When you first get him in, when you first get him in Midgar, he he has the least amount of materious slots based on his on his weapon and stuff like that. So it's not until you get him to Cosmo Canyon and you actually start to learn about some of his backstory the first time that you get there. I loved his backstory. I loved yeah. his father. I loved Seto. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Like the stuff that you get to to learn. And I'm not talking about Seto Kaiba. Yeah, no. <laughs> but uh, I thought you look at me. I thought you were no, no. That's what I was saying. That's what I because I remember the the, the, the backstory <laughs> mission. I still think a lot of people, at least growing up when they played that game, still all agree that fighting the demonic like remnants of the opposing tribe, fighting that creature, yeah. Well, that was like a creepy ass scene for a lot the of people. G tribe. Just going through that mission and getting to that boss was just like, mm. oh, it was really creepy. And then to find out that it it was definitely a tearjerker. When oh, you the find payoff out of the story. The, yeah. The, yeah, like you find out Seto sacrificed himself. He took all the poison darts from all the G tribe and faced off to permanently make sure that they could never get to Which Kato is completely Kano. different of what everybody assumed of him because everybody thought he was a coward kind of just ran off. Not everyone. Well, no, well just, not everybody. Not just, everybody. Just, yeah. yeah. Freaking Nanaki, Nanaki thought that, but he was wrong. He was misinformed because he didn't know what was going on. And that was a big thing with Bugenhagen. He's just like, well, people the close fuck? To, the people close Smack! to the like, close it's to time you. that you finally know yeah, the truth. A, yes. like, what the hell is wrong with you? How could you assume this? <laughs> and, to be honest, that's Bugenhagen is one of my favorite side characters. Like from all of the mythos of yeah. Final Fantasy VII, I love that character because he's the one character who's like, I know what's gonna happen. You guys need to do something to yeah. stop it. I can hear the planet crying. You idiots. <laughs> well, yeah, she even shows him too when he takes him to the planetarium. He's just yeah. like, look, this is planet what happens. Arium. <laughs> planet Planetarium. Planetarium. <laughs> what he's showing him. He's like, hey, look, this is what happens. Be, he explains the concept of Gaia again. It's like, all right, well, you know, when people die, they go into Gaia. They're reborn either as a tree or just as another person. Or something well, you else. go into the life stream. Exactly. When you go into the, it's the, it's the that the game itself had so many different aspects of religion and political culture and everything like this. That's also the beauty of it too, it, is because of the fact they were able to work that in so well without it being crammed into your face and stuff. Like that. It was it was a part of the story without it being the story, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they didn't. They didn't do it like Final Fantasy X did it with the whole like the religion is the state law. It's yeah. more or less that like the state's trying to break away from what the old religion was, and this is this is a very different way of looking at things. Like Bugenhagen was the was the odd opinion in a world where oh no, tech is tech is where we need to go. We need to you know. Shinra, like Shinra, is everything. And you were looking for words there. I got yeah, you. I was looking for words. <laughs> and what can we do? Blame it on the Shinra. Yeah, <laughs> Shinra's the worst. Well, it's it's it is. It's one of those things where the story was about a you know a evil uh, industrial company that was exploiting the world, and that's and... the beauty of it. That's where it started. Like you yeah. playing this game, you thought oh, you thought this was then, what it was, and then it reaches no. out more. Yeah, because yeah, exactly. So you start out just in Midgar, and then and so you, then, if you haven't played, you wouldn't didn't know that it was going to branch out into this much huger world that you're going to be exploring. And then when you realize even more, the the expanse is not just around the entire world, but Aliens, right there. That's where you need to insert that guy's face where he's just like, yeah. I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. <laughs> I'm not saying it's aliens, but it's aliens. That was also like a really cool, mind-blowing moment too because, and, and it's also a, a nice form of symbolism because like, you know, when you are stuck in your own kind of worldview, you don't know what else is going on out there. Yeah. And that's exactly what you have. You think it's just Shinra, Shinra, Shinra's the bad guys, Shinra's all you know, until you get out there and you realize there's a lot of other problems, there's a lot of other bad shit that's kind of going on. And then you realize that, like John Hurt, you have an alien living in your chest cavity. (laughs) 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 I just wanted soup! (laughs) (laughs) But, okay, in, in... 
like there there's a whole bunch honestly that I could talk about with Final Fantasy 7 that I loved I, the problems that we found wrong. We I know we really wanted to get a few people on this cast as well to because Dan would have loved to Dan would have loved to try to rebuttal everything that it is, and he would have been wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but, to be fair, I'm the contrarian in this group on as far as this game is concerned. So, I still so far, love this yeah, game, yeah. Right. but there's games inside games. You no, even, there is. You there. even had the mini games. The mini games were a lot of fun. The mini games were fun, but the controls in the mini games were terrible. It depends. So like. Um, <laughs> When you add, and that's actually how you end up getting Phoenix, the tower defense game that you have. The that was the best. The Condor, the Fort Condor mini game of that strategy. However, a 100% playthrough of that game requires you to lose one of the Fort Condor missions. What? Yeah. Because there's an item that you can only obtain by stealing from the creature that you fight when you lose a Fort Condor mission. Oh. Mm-hmm. Personally, I love that whole thing because I also love the fact that, fuck it, I remember I would be beating everything so bad and you're waiting for the boss fight to come up and then he's kind of strolling up and you're like, nope, I gotta wait until he crosses that line so I can fight him. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Which, that, that's an interesting point because I know we all said we were gonna, we're all gonna go ahead and do another playthrough of Final Fantasy VII. Because like you I'm had played. Yeah, well, there you go. I started it. Whatever. <laughs> so I'm kind of late to the game. Well, You're I, bad. I have it. I have it on PlayStation Three, which is, the, in my opinion, the better port. So I think there's issues with the PlayStation Four port of Final Fantasy. I'm still in the early stages. I, I'm still in the early stages. I haven't seen it yet. I think it's mostly just the music. I think a lot of people are upset because the music is different. It, it, there's doesn't a, there's sound, a it doesn't sound like it was made with a MIDI. <laughs> there was some, there's a licensing issues that they changed things around a little bit. No. Um, That's quite possible. Now. There's, I, I definitely like you pointed out, uh, Mike. That there's the you, you thank you for giving me that information too. I do want to do a 100 percent run. Even though I played multiple times, the very first time I did like a bare minimum run to end the game. So there was a lot of things I didn't know because this is back before you know easily accessible internet and being able to know how to do a lot of these things. Uh, but I am gonna try and do a never have I ever run because I haven't beaten Ruby Weapon. Uh, I don't. No, I've not actually ever gotten a gold chocobo. Oh, done Which it. means I haven't gotten uh, nice in the round. Four hours of folk, uh, chocobo fucking. <laughs> yeah. Inbreeding. Lots I've gotten, of it down, inbreeding. I've gotten it down to a science and it still takes me about three. That's what I'm saying. I, like, I've gotten it a lot better, but it still takes a while. It does. Yeah. So I've at least gotten to what I enjoy, which is the nitty gritty of the story stuff. But there's a lot of other things that I've kind of missed out on that would have made the game just a little easier. I know you're like, it's not a difficult game. And it's not. Some people do did have issues with the final boss fight at Sephiroth. If you didn't have certain things, like mine and so on. This is the thing, like, for, as far as almost all the Final Fantasy games go, there have, there have been difficulty curves in all of them, with the exception of, I think, 7. Because there's a point in 7 where you learn, like, once you, once you learn how the mechanics work, that's all you ever needed to know. There's there's never going to be like I've seen people beat the game at like level fifteen. It, there's not really, and that's that's not a, a super difficult thing to do. That's it, like it's harder to stay at that level than it is to like beat the game at that level. Because like, that is a mistake that, that I made actually. This I never really got into the concept of grinding at that age. And actually trying to get to higher levels. But the funny thing is, like John pointed out, and like you mentioned too before, is that, at least in that game, or a lot of other games in general, that once you go that route, sure, everything else might be easier. But when you see that final boss, it kind of compensates for that. It realizes, oh, hey, this is the level you're at. 
and then it beefs itself up for that very reason. Well, that, that's that's mostly because of the fact that mechanically speaking, uh, it was Genova Synthesis, and I know for a fact it was um, Saper Sephiroth, but I'm pretty sure it was also Genova Synthesis. Depending on your level and depending on your certain defensive scores, that the game actually boosted those bosses um, to make it more difficult because it's just like, okay, you put some time into this game, like... This but is where we're going to do We want it to still actually, be a difficult fight. We yeah, still want you to earn this. And I think I it has think to do the, more about the level. I don't yeah. think it had anything to do with your level. I think it was a time thing. It was the. It was actually based on your your actual in-game time limit. No, it was based off level. I'm, I'm letting you know for sure. It is based off level. If I, if I, That's the one thing. You have me on a lot of mechanics, but I'm going to tell you right I know, now. I know I can pull, I will pull up a video from someone who will tell you the calculations it is based off of like level and certain defensive stats or one of the it's it's like that but i'm 99 sure it's also based off level so if you know so i don't have to look up the video put it down in the comments below <laughs> but needless to say i think the very big point is and i know we've been dwelling on everything that is you know, phenomenal about the game or where we've seen different aspects and kind of how we felt about this Final Fantasy or that Final Fantasy. But, of course, the biggest stuff and what really spawned this conversation is about, is about kind of what's been going on with Final Fantasy Remake. Um, and with... Or not been going on with it. That's kind of what we've been finding out more. Thank you very much. If they man. think I would pay $60 for each chapter of a remake, we're, we're, they got we're, nothing. We're, we're no, past for, that yeah, point. No, no, that's, first off, that's, that's old. That's, no, no, yeah. no. I know that's old. I'm still bringing it up because that is still a point of contention for me. Well, we don't know what it's going to be because guess what? In the current news, we don't know what the game is going to be anymore. No, no, because of how it's been with the fact that they have, with the original release and kind of the news confirming back in like 2015 that, um, you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake is a real thing. Finally giving people like me hope to look forward to for this game to ever kind of come back. We find out like two years later, two and a half years later, that CyberConnect 2 Square was not happy with what they were putting out, even though a lot of us looked at those trailers, looked it at those screenshots, and it looked amazing, even though we were really hoping. There was a divide on how the action system was going to work. But yes. we find out two, like two, two and a half years later that, guess what, CyberConnect2 can... There's certain things that we like, but we're not happy with our quality of work. We're going even higher. We need to hire new people to bring in, so we're fully in control of this. And it completely tells you we're not even close to being anywhere. I mean, as far as a combat system, I personally feel the best route they could take. Because I, I am a big fan of the turn-based. I, I think either going back to that would be great, mm -hmm. but if they, they wouldn't go that and they wanted to do something a little bit more modern... I would say they already have a game that they have in production that they could easily go based off, which is Kingdom Hearts. You can do a Kingdom Hearts system with Final Fantasy Well, that's, that's almost what they were doing. They were keeping they, it more on the ground, because there's a lot of verticality to Kingdom They were Kingdom also Hearts. doing some other stuff as far as the, the real time. I, I forget the exact details, but it wasn't like Kingdom Hearts. But uh, quite a few I, I think the hope and what they were looking at, even with what they were getting from CyberConnect is they were going to do something similar to Kingdom Hearts, but at the same time, they'll expand that even more because 
there, well, the issue, I the issue that everybody was having is that it, it was starting to like some of the some of the the scenes from like the streets of Midgar and stuff when they're fighting the just the random Cinder soldiers. It looked way, way too much like Final Fantasy 15, and that's what everybody was kind of like. Afraid of <laughs> everybody like, was starting to get PTSD flashbacks. Like, no, no. The, the problem isn't that Final Fantasy 15 was bad. It was the thing is that that system doesn't. It, it it worked okay in Final Fantasy 15, and a lot of people dealt with it because actually Final Fantasy 15 wasn't that horrible of a Notice game. Notice how he said the word "dealt with it," though. No, but the issue is, is this, and it comes down it, to it, it as doesn't a person, meld with Final Fantasy it, VII. It, it do, it exactly, it doesn't meld with Final Fantasy VII. If you're going to do something, then you ha- have to come up with some kind of brilliant hybrid system, which allows you to have something action packed that looks like 15, which looked beautiful, but at the same time, though, you're going to have multiple party members. You need to have the ability to, to not just control them. control them, the functionality of it, and not just go, hey, listen, your role is support. Like, that's a light function, but and it, the, the ability to switch, which I think they actually had, even with some of the old stuff, uh, how the functionality of the command screen, which is very similar to, to Kingdom Hearts, mm-hmm. how that looked... When you actually pan out and kind of look at all the differences that are in those scenarios, I think there's more complexities to it. And I kind of hope that they're running off that because that's going to give you the ability to switch. You're going to be able to say, Cloud, I want you to do this and then pan over to someone else and do something else. I mean, that's typical of a lot of modern RPGs. Right. This And this is something that I'm hoping that they do because there was a lot of talk about them trying to do a simplified version of even what Final Fantasy XII did as far as the combat mechanics go. Which is, it's free roaming, you can see your enemies on the battlefield, but you can control each of your characters. You can even set up the, the if-then statements through the, the, the system that was, implied, it was, it was in play in Final Fantasy XII. Or you can sit there and actually manually control. Now, the, the thing that made that more difficult in Final Fantasy XII is the fact that they blocked the, the or they put blocks on each individual type of magic. So you would go into magic, and then you would have to go into another submenu for white magic, black magic, even the green magic, time magic. It, like there was just too much of a separation right. of things, and it made things. Slightly more menu, less menu optimization made it harder to do like things like that on the fly. I look at it this way, though, and not to kind of ramble on about the state of what Final Fantasy is too much, because honestly, we're at a stage in which we don't know what it is anymore. Yeah. Because what we thought was there, they can utilize, but they're not there anymore. They, they really no. need to take a a line from Atlas and figure out. The system. Well, you got to remember, with the fact that they are pulling back, putting everything under where they are, the fact that they're probably going to finish out doing Kingdom Hearts 3 as a full team and then go on to their next, you know, game set, which will be Final Fantasy 7 or even, I believe it's called uh, Mobius or Mobius Final Fantasy, which is supposed to be one of their projects coming up. Um, they're going to put a lot more to it. They put out uh, requests for developers for game design and stuff like that coming into the core group. Which scared the crap out of a lot of people. But at the same time, though, it gave a lot of people a lot of hope. Yeah. And I'm trying to take it as a positive. Even though this game is going to put a hurting on me to kind of wait another 2020, three, baby. <laughs> three, four years. Yes, three to four years 
is probably going to happen. But I look at it this way. I'm sick of unfinished games. I'm sick of seeing something that's going to be whatever. I want something, if they're will, if they're saying that what CyberConnect 2 was not up to par, in visually it looked good, Yeah, I'm... It gives me a, a, a part of optimism because of the fact that they are putting that much care into this game, which honestly is a great thing because this could make or fucking break them. Yep. If they fail to deliver well, on this game, no, realistically, I was going to say the Final fail, Fantasy franchise, maybe. Not Square Enix. No, 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 but Final Fantasy franchise. Oh, no, this could make or break Square Enix. Because if the they problem fail, is, you have to understand, Final Fantasy is what has kept Square afloat for a very long uh, actually, time. Actually, that's kind of true. For a long time, yes. But now you have Kingdom Hearts becoming the kind of powerhouse that it is. It has basically kind of become their new Final Fantasy. But they haven't released a new Kingdom Hearts in a long time. And then time. watch what happens when 3 comes out. When 3 comes out, it's probably going to be a beast. And that's probably actually going to give them the money to put into Final Fantasy VII, which could be a huge flop, which I hope not, and that could kill them. Yeah, which all depends on how they handle it, yes. It depends on how they handle it. The fact that they want to kind of come in and they actually still have a lot of uh, programmers, developers, and, you know... A lot of positions to fill. That, well, not just a lot of positions to fill, but they have a lot of people that were true to the original game on that, that squad. It brings hope that they're like, no, 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 we have to put out something grand... Yeah. Or else, it's an all-or-nothing type of game. Well, like I said in previous casts, I have no problem of waiting as long as it takes to make a good game. I'm with you on board with the whole concept of, I'm sick and tired of unfinished games. Them just rushing out to make that quick paycheck, which is also part of the problem with the whole pre-order system. It's like, oh man, we got your money. We don't need to work so hard anymore. We know we're getting paid. Right, right. Well, and and this, this comes down to the whole, like, talking about Kingdom Hearts thing. Kingdom Hearts has made it to where... I have started to think that if it wasn't for the main Final Fantasy franchise, I would think the same thing that I think about Valve when it comes to the number three as far as Square is concerned. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Which Valve announced they're making games again, but yeah. it's probably not going to be... Yeah, it's going to be, gonna it's, see it's gonna be new games. Three. We're not going to be seeing a three of anything. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the, the, I think the only thing that, too, is what we knew before where this Final Fantasy VII remake was actually going to be separate in continuity compared to everything that was before. Which, yes... I'm telling you that from what I remember and from what I've heard from articles and stuff like that, it completely separates itself from the continuity of what was before. So therefore, you're not going to see a hard connection from Dirge of Cerberus. You're not going to see it from Advent Children. You're not going to see it before, from before Crisis or Crisis Core, which means all that stuff before is its own storyline and its own parallel universe compared to what this universe is going to yeah, be for, understand, for Final kind Fantasy of, Remake. Yeah, I kind of... Remember seeing something similar to almost where this is kind of like a a re a remake. It's a re it's a re re envisioning re envisioning. Yeah, yes. not not retelling because it's not a retelling. This is a re a, a re envisioning. Because they even said they are going to be making changes to the story. They, they are, are going to be doing something. Well, like a lot of people said, hey, listen, when you first put it out, there was a lot of muddled storylines, so they want to correct that. They're going to fix all the, the, the bad translation with the, the Hojo and Lucretia. Yeah. Because <laughs> I still don't know. It seemed like he was trying to... It seemed like there was a weird thing going on. And well, they got married. The, you got to remember, like, the story is, is they got married, they had a kid. Guess who that kid is? Sephiroth. <laughs> so, the, but the thing is, though, they had the child out of science. They didn't have the child out of love. So that that's their, their and that's why Sephiroth was doomed from the start. Yeah, <laughs> and that's why Vincent was so hurt and emo. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen. you want to talk about somebody who's emo? 
Compared to the, the cloud. Oh, Vincent. absolutely. Oh, I, I never was going to say anything otherwise. I know, but when people talk emo, they always bring up cloud. Like, oh, Vincent. Well, that's because, honestly, what it came down to is, like, in Advent Children. Oh, came let's, across let's not very... even talk about that. That's not even... Ugh. I'm just saying, that that's kind of what it came off with. In My thing is, is, I don't want to see them turn Final Fantasy VII into a directionless mess. Absolutely. And, and the I, thing... I don't think they're going to... But that's the, the the problem is is that's what have been a lot of the main house Final Fantasy games. Well, I think with this game in particular, they're hearing a lot of what the fans want, and I know that they would love to go in the direction of. If you give us thirteen again, I'll fucking kill you. But and that's <laughs> the thing is they're hearing a lot of the fan base going, "Hey, listen, the." the they want to expand and capture new markets and new people to the game, but at the same time, though, guess what? The people who are actually going to buy this Final Fantasy game are the people who were born, lived, and played that game back in the 90s. If, if, you, want, if you want new blood for this game, pull in new blood from the Atlas crowd, because you know what? Atlas still knows how to make an RPG. Yeah. Persona 5 was the top RPG... For a reason, because it didn't try to break a whole lot of the conventions from being an RPG. Right. Very true. And I think we could really... I know, John, especially with you... (laughs) (laughs) We could probably even... It'll sort of span over several casts. There's so much that I could talk about this game with. And matter of fact, we're doing this a two... We're doing this for a two-four. We're coming back with this. And we're going to have Dan and or freaking Eric on this. And we're going to (laughs) fight. I would love to see that. Yeah, right? No, I mean physically I'm going to beat them. No, that's fine. (laughs) That's what I thought you were saying. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's going to go ahead and roll us out for this episode. As always, if you enjoyed what you were listening to, be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And also ding that bell for future videos. We'd also like to hear some of your favorite moments from Final Fantasy VII, your favorite characters, all that other good stuff. Let us know down in the comments below. Yeah, and don't forget, make sure you follow us over on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and any of the other social media down below. You know, we're, we're trying to keep up and make sure we put out as much information as possible on all those mediums. Um, don't forget to, if you want to talk some shit, head over to our Discord, join the Ready Comics Roll crew and other rollers on our Discord, and you can actually tell us some of your favorite Final Fantasy stories. Follow us on Twitch where we will not be live streaming any of our Final Fantasy replays, <laughs> just because we can. Maybe later! <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget, if you'd like to see us grow, you can come over to Patreon and help us out by becoming a patron today.